For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome in, everybody, to Believe in Titans podcast version 2.0. We, uh, we aim to inform, we aim to entertain, and we aim to be objective. And by we, I mean me. I am David Beauclair of AllTitans at SI.com, and I have covered this team in some form or fashion almost uninterrupted back to 1997. With me... John Glennon, another veteran of the beat, also currently working for All Titans at SI.com. John, good evening. Good evening, David. Good evening, Denard. And yes, that is, Denard, of course, is, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, Denard Walker, former Titans cornerback, uh, also dating back to the very, very early days in Tennessee. So uh, this, is a, this is now a podcast well-rooted in history. Denard, how are you? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? We are good. We are glad to uh, to be doing this with you, and uh, uh, we will we, we will endeavor to do one of these a week, probably a second one a week during the season when we get into it, and we will uh, we will learn each other as we go, and hopefully everybody will learn a little something by listening to us. But let's get right into this. We got the uh, got the NFL draft coming up this week. It's a uh, it's a big draft for the Titans. They have not had the best drafts, I think you could say, the the last couple of years after a spectacular draft class in 2019. So I, I think the, the one question a lot of people have is about quarterback. Should the Titans draft a quarterback this year? And if so, when? Denard, where do you fall on this issue? Should the Titans draft a quarterback this year? Uh, it depends. Are you... I mean, are you grounded right now? Do you really believe that Logan Woodside can be a solid backup? I think that's the most important position on the field, not the starter, because 
Guess who's coming back is Ryan Tannehill. Of course, he took a lot of criticism last year in the playoffs. But again, this is a player that led your organization to a 12-5 and record, number one seed in the AFC. And he's only, what, in second year, going into, what, the third year of a four-year deal. So you have to think about the contract situation. And not to mention, he's turning, what, 30? He's 33 years old. So I think Ron is the man. I think he's the man going forward. But again, it depends on John Robinson. Are you thinking about the future or are you thinking about now? And in, in NFL, it's about winning now. John Glenn? Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm anti-quarterback uh, this time around, uh, and the reasons yeah, are, are similar to Denard. I mean, we know that Ryan Tannehill is going to be the starter coming up. There's really just no way to get out of his contract uh, for the 2022 season. And certainly there is the potential mm-hmm. that he could bounce back to having those 2020 to 2020, or excuse me, 2019 and 2020 years. Um, again, if you draft a quarterback this year, he's almost certainly then going to sit for the entire year. You don't have a second round pick this year, so you're probably not going to get any impact from any rookie this year until the third round. Uh, and, and this is a team that, that could use a little bit more quicker impact after the shaky drafts of the last couple of years. In addition, uh, this does not particularly sound like a great quarterback class. You know, all the, the from the uh, what the, the gurus, the analysts are saying, uh, you know, the, this crop doesn't necessarily stack up to a lot of the ones in the past. Now, if you're the Titans and you absolutely know you, you love a guy and he's a guy for the future, hey, dive in. That's that's the most important position. But I, I, I advise and, and don't think it's the uh, don't think it's the way to go this time around. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of people look at it and are willing to say, okay, if he's the number two this year, that's a good thing. But I, I think people underestimate how this coaching staff feels about Logan Woodside. I, I think, you know, based on his experience level, which is minimal, the bare minimum at this point, and based on what they're paying him, though, I, they, they feel pretty comfortable with this guy. That And that if he has to play a game or two, they I think they feel like he can win. So they're not they're not looking at this like, oh, we got to be significantly better at the backup quarterback spot. And then I look at it, too. You look at what's gone on around the league the last couple of years and, and all the quarterback movement when you're talking about Russell Wilson going to Denver this year, Deshaun Watson to Cleveland and so on. You know, Matthew Stafford, of course, with the going from Detroit to the Rams last year and, and how well that worked out. And, and I mean, we're sitting here, it's it's late April, and Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield still don't know what their uh, what their situations are going to be. I mean, this is this is a whole new league in terms of quarterbacks right now. It used to be if you had anything close to a decent quarterback, you held on to them like grim death, and and that's not the case anymore. So I think if you're if you're John Robinson, you can be comfortable with the fact that okay, if if you decide next year you need to move on from Ryan Tannehill, you'll be able to get your hands on somebody. Anyone else? Any any final thoughts on the quarterbacks? Yeah, and, it's, and you know what? And, and just to piggyback on you a little bit, David, it's not going to hurt you so much as far as a salary cap casually because if you cut him – if it, if say if they made a move this year, I mean it would have set the Titans organization back probably two, I don't know, five years because he would have, they would have took a major hit. So once again, next year won't be so bad as far as taking a hit if you release him after next season. But again, I think this is a pivotal season for Ron because this is a team that's prime 
to win now. This is an organization right now. You don't know what the future holds. I mean, let's just be honest. There's been some tough times in Nashville over the years. And we, we talk about what Ron is doing is what they're anticipating Marcus doing, you know, leading this team to the promised land. And that's the Super Bowl. And that just didn't happen. But when Ron replaced Marcus uh, in the second half of that Denver game a few years back, we saw this organization take off. They took, they took off to the point where they end up in an AFC championship game, giving Kansas City all they can handle. So once again, you don't know what you're going to get. Um, in this league if you go through free agency or the draft so what you got to do is you got to take the pieces in play that you have right now and you got to say okay we're right there we're right on the doorstep of something special and that's why i i love uh the way that they've been uh proactive or transparent as far as you know with ryan and saying listen he's our guy he's our guy going forward and i truly believe in this organization if they're going to take a, if they're going to take the next step and get to the super bowl it's going to be with ryan Tannehill and not with some guy or young player that you take in this year's draft because david i agree there's there's no round draft pick this year i mean draft a draft pick in the first round as far as the young man out of pittsburgh yeah so okay we obviously don't know how the first 25 picks are going to go or if the Titans are going to pick at 26, but assuming they pick at 26, ideally then what what position would make the most impact for them at, at that spot, John Glennon? Uh, you know, you could go a few different directions. Uh, again, assuming you're not going quarterback, which is kind of the wild card here, but to me, Either of the offensive line spots, whether it's tackle or guard, are holes that you need to fill. You've lost starters there. Um, so I think those are, are, are likelihoods. I don't think wide receiver is out of the question, uh, despite the fact that they added Robert Woods in the trade. You know, you're not certain when Robert Woods is going to be 100% and how much he's going to give you. You know, a 30-year-old guy coming back from an ACL, you'd like to think everything will be great, but you're not certain of that. So I think you can need you could add a wide receiver in that spot as well. If I had to go, you know, the most needy spot, I would probably say tackle uh, to me just because I think tackles are harder to find. Good tackles are harder to find than, than guard in the NFL. Uh, so that's what I would lean, and then guard number two, wide receiver number three would be my priorities uh, going forward here. Denard, what, what do you think the Titans really want out of this first round then? Well, you know what? I'm going to go receiver this year. Man, I can't argue with John because when you look at this offensive line, you know, there's your pro bowlers gone from last year, Rodgers, Saffold. Look who steps in this year. It was Aaron Brewer. And then you're talking about last year's second round pick, Dylan Radnews. So once again, I, I agree with John. You have to address the offensive line. That really, to me, is the anchor of your football team. And is if they play well, this team plays well. So once again, I can't argue with that. But I like to see them take a playmaker. This, listen, this year's draft, it is heavy with explosive players at the wide receiver position. When you look at this team last year, they were inconsistent. They were beat up on the perimeter game. And other than A.J., I mean, we saw some guys step up last year. Marcus Johnson against um, who was at New Orleans had a great game of 100 yards receiving. But once again, you need consistency 
uh, in this league on the perimeter. You look at the Rams. They won the Super Bowl with no rushing attack, but again, they won on the perimeter with Matthew hitting Cooper Cup. So again, if you take AJ out of the equation, that's what most teams are going to do, and they're going to say, who's going to beat us with Tennessee? Again, who do you look at? Are you looking at, at a, uh, Nick Westbrook, Akine? Is he your second, you know, is he your second threat? When you look at Robert Woods, we don't know. Like John said, he's coming off of an ACL tear. And then not to mention he's 30 years old. So, again, there's a reason that they traded for him. But there's a reason that the Rams let him go because they know that, listen, we have some studs right there at, our, at that position. So we don't need him. I mean, look at Racy McMath. Or look at last year's your fourth-round pick, Des Fitzpatrick. I, I like Des. He started to come on a little bit at midseason, but I don't think he's that that threat yet. So once again, when you look at this receiving class, they're loaded. I mean, you can go Garrett Wilson, Ohio State, uh, Traylon Burks. I mean, look, George Pickens out of Georgia. Scott Moore. I mean, he's out of Western Michigan. The last time the Titans took a, a player out of Western Michigan, his name is Corey Davis. I don't think he had a bad career. He couldn't When he stayed healthy, he was amazing on the field. So once again, I like to see them step up and take a, a explosive playmaker uh, at that receiver position because, again, this league, it's about the way that you play on that perimeter. And, and Tennessee was inconsistent uh, when A.J. was out of the lineup last year. Yeah, and, and this is, you know, this is a trend in the NFL, right? There's a lot of really talented wide receivers coming in. It's been that way for several years now. They, they got A.J. Brown in the second round in 2019. Haven't gone back to the, the wide receiver well since then in the draft. And uh, and you feel like this this has to be the time where they, they take at least somebody at that position, if not in the first round, maybe maybe the third round. But the guy who intrigues me, and going back to the offensive line issue, because I, I do think you know, between the fact that you've you've got two starters who have moved on, both of them oddly enough in Buffalo now, in Roger Saffold and David Quesenberry, and, and the fact that you're you've got a really you're still old on the offensive line in the in the persons of Ben Jones and, and Taylor Lewan. The, the guy who's interesting to me is is Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, who by all accounts is is really athletic and, and really smart and and kinda kind of a, a a much better center than you typically can find at, at, at any other point in the draft. And and I could see John Robinson going there and uh and you know maybe they plug him in at left guard for the next couple of years you know one year two years whatever it is that that Ben Jones has left and and literally during that time then he can learn the center position at Ben Jones's side you know playing right there to his left that's uh you know that that's sort of the guy that it wouldn't be a sexy pick by any stretch of the imagination, but I think uh, I think it'd be a, a really interesting one, and, and would be one that wouldn't surprise me at all if the Titans make. Yeah, well, if we're if we're looking to, to make our, our predictions here, I'm I'm going to go with a with a non sexy pick as well. I, I'm I, we'll we'll save, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll save the sexy picks yeah. for Denard with the wide receiver there, and maybe in the first round. But I'm not uh, sexy. Hey, <laughs> that's right. I gotta go uh, offensive line in the first round as well, and and ideally to me, uh, you know, I, I did uh, a mock draft today, uh, you know, part of the the, the Believe uh, Podcast Network, and one of the players that was available was Trevor Penning, uh, you know, big nasty tackle out of Northern Iowa, six seven, three hundred and twenty pounds, and and I jumped to, uh, to to grab him, you know, I think he's the kind of guy that could start out as a right tackle 
play well there for a year or two, and then maybe if you're moving on from Taylor Lewan uh, down the line, then he moves back to his natural position at left tackle. You know, and it's something that they did with Jack Conklin, too. Conklin played left tackle in college, and they moved him over to the right in the pros. But I, and honestly, I don't think Penning is going to be there in, in real life. I think he's going to get scooped up before number 26. So I'm going to go with old uh, Zion Johnson, the uh, the big – uh, bruising guard out of, out of Boston College again. Not not flashy. People aren't going to jump out of their seats, but this guy just does everything well, and and he just screams Titans to me. You know, he's a he's a heavy, uh, good run blocker. Uh, you know, good in pass pro. He's smart. They've they've run zone schemes that he's been excellent in in, in Boston College, and certainly we know. The Titans know at least as much about Zion Johnson as any other prospect in recent years uh, because uh, Mike Brable's son roomed with him uh, the last couple of years at, at Boston College. Yeah. And uh, I believe also uh, the Titans' uh, current strength coach, uh, Frank Pirano, I'm sure I'm butchering his last name, but he was the strength coach at, at Boston College uh, when Zion Johnson first got there. So just in case they needed any more inside knowledge. But but. Here's, here's what struck uh, struck me a little bit, too, about Zion Johnson. He is as safe an offensive line pick as you can get. You know, there, there are absolutely no character issues with him. He's not moving up from the F- FCS level, anything like that. And if you're the Titans, you've taken a couple risks here the last couple of years that have not worked out so well with the offensive line. This guy is a safe, a plug-and-play starter, uh, you know, going to make your team that much better. So I'm, I'm going with big Zion. What, what do you think, Denard? I can't argue with you. You know, I was looking up a name uh, when you was talking about the lineman out of Iowa. Now, I'm going to let you guys, when you talk about the trenches, uh, the big dogs, I'm going to let you talk about that. But you you remember Marshall Yonda, you know, out of Iowa when he played for Baltimore all those years. You know, one of the things that people loved about him was his versatility, what he can bring to the table. And I think Marshall Yonda, who just retired not that long ago, he's had a Hall of Fame career. So I think that would be a great pick. I don't think he's going to be there because he's considered by many uh, the big man that you was talking about out of Iowa. Now, can you tell me his name again? Tyler Lind- Linderbaum. Was, uh, yeah. one. Tyler Linderbaum. I yes. couldn't get the last yes. name. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I, I've had a chance to really – I watched him on film. I couldn't get the last name correctly, but I love the way he played because of his aggressiveness. So if you see – say at that 26 i mean again you're talking about a player that can come in and basically he can play two or three positions on the field and that's what you want i mean on that offensive line and that's what you're looking for you're looking for versatility but when i go sexy and i like the perimeter game because that's my specialty i don't know nothing about these old ugly (laughs) dogs on the on the uh, o-line and the d-line but let me tell you something there's a name that i love and I, and we don't and I think I think he can be there because when you look at the Titans they don't have a draft uh, pick in the second round but when you look at the third round they got at what number ninety and they got two fourth round picks one thirty one and one forty three and I got a name for you it's very sexy but a lot of people don't know this name It's my man out of Cincinnati Alex Pierce he is a stud six foot three two hundred and fifteen pounds this guy, when I break him down you know who I think about. Cooper Cup, 
I really do. I see a lot of similarities between him and Cooper. The thing that I like about Alex is with that 4-3 speed, he's able to not just elude defenders, but when he catches the ball, he is a playmaker. He's a big guy. You know, he, he reminds me of a tight end. He's like a glorified tight end playing receiver. And I love the way that he's always two to three steps ahead of the defender. You need somebody that can go get it. We didn't see that in the playoff game. Other than A.J., you didn't have another receiver that was past Cincinnati's defenders. You need a playmaker in today's game. L.A. showed you that. They showed you that, listen, we can go into a Super Bowl game, rush for less than 50 yards, but we can win because we got a stud, number 10, out there on the perimeter. I'm telling you something. This guy, Alex Pierce, watch out. He can be a late-round draft pick. I don't think he's going to go high, but I think he can be a steal, and I think he can be a stud in this league for a long time. So I'm going pretty. Alex Pierce, again, Tennessee, you got two fourth-rounders this year. Hey, I tell you what, you better look at this guy from Cincinnati. He's the real deal. In the in John Glennon's, I'm going to give give our man John Glennon a shout out today in his uh, in his final Titans mock draft seven round mock draft that's now up at alltitansnsi.com. He's he's of like mind with you, Denard. John John had uh, the Titans picking Alec Pierce in the third round and, uh, and oh, cited, wow. cited many of those. See, I three... know I like John. Yeah, I there you like go, John. David. I'm they, gonna get along, but John, I do it. They, you know, and, and you know, and, and, and an important thing to point out too, I think, while we're talking about guys like Zion Johnson and Alec Pierce, you know, Mike Vrabel has shown in his four years as head coach that he likes to work with people, whether it's coaches or whether it's players, that he knows, that he ha- he knows something about on the front end. When you think about all the players who have come through here the last couple of years who have connections to the Houston Texans and were there at a, at a at least for a little bit of time when, when Vrabel was an assistant coach there, when you look at... Uh, you know the 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 assistant coach hires he's made the last couple of years. Anthony Midget, defensive backs coach, was a guy he worked with in Houston this offseason. Bobby King, inside linebackers coach, a guy he worked with at Houston. So when you start talking about a Zion Johnson, a kid at Boston College who played next to his son Tyler, who was roommates with his son Tyler, who he he knows personally. You know they've probably gone to dinner together a couple times, whatever. That's the kind of thing that that's really important. And and the same thing with an Alec Pierce, Luke Fick. Cincinnati head coach is Mike Vrabel's Fickle. best friend, right? I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, Mike Vrabel has never coached this guy, has, you didn't recruit him during his days at Ohio State, but he, he probably has a whole lot more information about a guy like Alec Pierce than he does, say, a Jahan Dotson at Penn State or a, a Traylon Burks, who you mentioned earlier, Denard, out of Arkansas, you know, guys who, who could be interesting yeah. prospects from a Titans perspective, too. So I, I do think there's one more offensive lineman that we should talk about before we move on from this who, uh, who could be there at 26. And, and, and Denard, you talked about versatility up front and how important that is. And, and Kenyon Green, the guard at Texas A&M, is, is another guy who, who figures to be there, a guy who has yeah. played all five positions on the offensive line at some point during his college career. So theoretically, if you know, if, if Dylan Radins doesn't work out at right tackle, but Ale- and Alex Brewer's really good at left guard, maybe you could play him at right tackle, or you go vice versa there th- this year. He, he would give you he would give you options on that offensive line to to fill those holes that you don't have right now. So I think uh, I think he's he's kind of the last name from an offensive line position worth watching there with uh, with number twenty six. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would maybe even throw. In a couple of names uh, 
in there too, uh, the more tackle uh, oriented. Uh, one, uh, Tyler Smith uh, out of Houston. Um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, it would be pushing if you took him in the first round, maybe more of a second round guy, but really kind of fits the, the Titans uh, mold, if you will, big, nasty uh, mauler type at, at right tackle, and, and I think could uh, could really give them uh, a, a boost uh, in that regard. And then um, another guy who, who I kind of like too, and, and this would go more towards the idea of, of drafting your left tackle of the future, putting him at right tackle for a while again, and, and moving him back to left would be the kid from uh, Central Michigan, uh, Bernard Raymond. Also, that's who I had my uh, initial mock draft. I had the Titans taking him. Uh, he's an interesting guy because he, you know, he grew up basically in Austria, hasn't played football all, all that long, but but the strides he's made have, have been tremendous. Great athlete, uh, really stood out at, at Central Michigan. Uh, you know, especially good, uh, you know, pass blocker, but but solid in the run as well. So he's a guy that might be in the conversation if you're looking at offensive lineman uh, as well. I want to know too. I think a, a dark horse position, but but given what we see in the NFL, the way the game is is going, and and you know we talked about the wide receivers. You know, Denard, you you know what it's like to have to cover a team full of wide receivers. Between Christian Fulton, who was really good last year, between Elijah Molden, who who. I think developed kind of the way you would want during rookie season, and, and Caleb Farley, a first-round pick with a disastrous injury history, coming off a serious knee injury, and and then the veteran Buster Screen sort of is filling. Do you feel like the Titans have enough that they can feel confident in waiting at cornerback, or do they need to move early to try and get a cornerback in this draft if that if there's a guy there on the board when they pick? No, as long as you got Kevin Byard back there lining guys up, you're fine. Uh, again, I think a lot. Of, <laughs> you know, you, Kevin Byard. You know, there's a reason he wears 31. Uh, I, I had a chance to play with the great Marcus Robertson, who's now the uh, coach at Arizona. And those guys, when you have safeties back there, they can take young corners and they can put them help put them in positions to succeed. And what I don't, I don't want to see this team take a. Uh, cornerback, especially um, uh, in the early rounds, because they're going to be fine for a long time to come with Caleb. I think Caleb, if he comes back healthy, uh, we're anticipating a speedy recovery uh, for him. And then not to mention, I tell you what, man, Christian Fulton showed out last year. He showed why they took him. He was, to me, he's a first round talent, but unfortunately he went in the second round. And I'm thankful that he went to Tennessee. But these two guys, they're the future uh, of your football team on the defensive side of the ball. They did a great job. I think they did well against Cincinnati other than the one uh, pass where Chase took it, where he busted a tackle on Christian. They really did a good job in limiting Cincinnati's uh, perimeter game. Once again, I feel like this team right now, what's hurting them is the perimeter, the sexy game. And that's the uh, perimeter game. When you look at a lot of these receivers that are coming out this year, you have to address that. Uh, this team was decimated by injuries, especially when you look at the receiving core. You didn't know who was going to be in there. Uh, we knew week one, Julio and AJ, but it just seemed like when the season continued to progress, we didn't know what receiving core was going to be there. Marcus Johnson, who is it going to be? Chester Rogers, Cody Hollister. They just started putting in games. I started to submit my resume to that organization and said, I'm free. You know, if you can just come up and give me some money, I can't catch. But again, 
I just think right now you have to think about the future. The future of the NFL, it's about the playmaking game. But, David and John, I got a name for you. And there's a guy, there's a disgruntled individual in San Francisco that he's been making a lot of noise lately, and he wants out of there. So rather than go through the draft, do you think it would be sense if a young man by the name of Debo Samuel, if he started to, like, say, you know what, I like to go to Tennessee. Do you pull the trigger there and say rather than go through the draft, hey, um, San Francisco, we'll make a deal with you. Because could you imagine A.J. and Debo Samuel uh, opposite from one another? That's a dangerous combination. And that might be the X factor for your team is, is go through free agency rather than a draft. Uh, I, yeah. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I was going to say, certainly that would be an unbelievable combination. You know, these guys were tore up the SEC when they, when they were playing it together. And what's interesting, too, is now you're starting to hear, you know, of the various reasons that, that you hear about Debo Samuel wanting to get out of San Francisco – one of them might be as simple as he wants to kind of get back home, uh, you know, to this neck of the woods, this general uh, region. Or, you know, he played at, at, at South Carolina, and he's certainly familiar with the SEC territory. So, you know, uh, it would be a tempting spot for him. But I, I, I just – I think you'd be giving up an awful lot. I think the San Francisco 49ers yeah. would be expecting the, the king's ransom uh, in, in order to get Debo Samuel. Yeah. And if you've already got A.J. Brown, you've kind of got your stud – Number one, you've also got Robert Woods, assuming he's coming back healthy. And if you can get another wide receiver, uh, you know, as we said, maybe in the in the third round or so this year, I think you're in really good uh, position, uh, you know, at the wide receiver. And I just, boy, that would be an awful lot of capital to uh, to give up, uh, knowing what San Francisco wants. Yeah, Mike Mike Vrabel was asked about. I just thought I'd throw it up. Yeah, sure. yeah, no, it, and it's interesting, and I think a lot of people are thinking about that. And and Mike Vrabel was asked about him at the combine. And, uh, and, you know, Vrabel typically plays everything close to the vest in, uh, in press conference situations. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, it, it, was, it was pretty apparent the respect that he has for Debo Samuel. And, 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 I, and I think, you know, in a way, Denard, to your point, like his mind, the wheels in his mind were turning too, thinking, God, imagine what we could do with a guy like that in our, uh, in our <laughs> offense. And uh, yeah. I, I do think, though, you know, after trading for Julio last year, and you know, that affected a number of things, right? You don't have the second-round draft pick this year because of that you you have Ryan Tannehill's huge salary cap number because of the Julio Jones trade and that didn't work out it, it yeah. you know it, from a strictly football sense you say yeah you do what you can to get a Debo Samuel on your team but from a from a business sense you you sort of you sort of took your shot I think at wide receiver last year in terms of trying to trying to pair up AJ Brown with a stud it just you know it just didn't work out the way uh, the way anybody wanted to so I I I'd be I I, so, I, so, I wouldn't doubt that they would love to do it, but I would be stunned if they if they make any kind of serious effort to do it. So what you're saying is that they don't have that Cali- California swag like Les Snead. They're not going to go out there and say, we're going to throw everything at Matthew Stafford. We're going to bring in OBJ. Then we're going to go get Vaughn Miller. We're going to trade him. <laughs> then they went out and got Jalen Ramsey. They're not going to do that. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess maybe if maybe if Vin Marino's head doesn't explode, Vin Marino, the assistant GM, you know, who handles the salary cap issues, I guess you know if if he could come up with a way to make it work. Yeah. But uh, but then you you know you're already you're already wrestling with uh, with AJ's contract situation, which is which is a podcast discussion yeah. for another day. But you know, Debo's going to want that contract too. I mean, it's going to be uh, it, it, that would be that would be quite a haul or quite quite a 
a puzzle, I think, to try and fit them together for, for the long term, more than just a year or so. But as, as we go to the final few minutes here, I'm curious, Denard, when you were a player, how much did you pay attention to the draft and think, uh-oh, they're bringing in this guy to come after my job? Did you worry about those sorts of things? No, no, because I tell you what, uh, after the Super Bowl in 1999, everybody in Nashville was after me. Uh, and, you know, again, a poor performance in the Super Bowl. But I, you know what? As a player, you don't think about that. You only think about what you can do. You you understand who you are. And you, you know what understands that, uh, that has gotten you this far. And so when you get – you don't worry about another player. You know, a coach told me a long time ago, he said, D-Walk, never look behind you because that slows your progress. He says, never look to the side of you because the person next to you looks just like you. They're just as faster. They're stronger. Always look at the guy in front of you. That's your next That's your next opponent. That's the most important individual to worry about. So I've always taken that mentality in this, you know, whether it's college, high school, or in the NFL. I never worried about the next man up because I knew, uh, especially when I was in Tennessee, that when I came back, I had an abysmal playoffs in 99. I played good and had a few games there where it was kind of iffy. And I had some situations off the field, unfortunately, that wasn't my fault. So a lot of people were like, hey, Denar Walker, I don't think he's going to fit into the puzzle. But you know what? I knew in my heart that if that team was going to go forward, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I was going to have a lot uh, to do with that. And I came back that year and had a great season. Unfortunately, people talked about the interceptions, but what they didn't talk about was all of the deep balls that I didn't give up. They didn't talk about the tackles, and we had the number one defense in the NFL. So in this game, it's all about you evolving as a player. You never think about who they're drafting. Even if they go first round at your position, that's none of your concern. You just worry about the things that you can control in that room. Okay, then. Closing closing thoughts here. John Glennon, what makes this a successful draft for the Titans? Before I do that, yes. I had I had uh, uh, one quick uh, uh, clarification on a, on a point I had earlier when I was talking about uh, Tyler Smith. I think I said he was from Houston. He's actually from Tulsa, the uh, the big nasty uh, uh, right tackle. Correction um, noted. But, um, correction is noted. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, and we still have to get uh, Denard's first round pick, right? Denard, uh, do have we gotten a, a first round pick from you? Uh, prediction. <laughs> First round, you know what, I'm going to you – know, boy, I was thinking, but I'm going to go with my favorite player of this draft, and this is a guy that I've been lobbying for, and it probably won't happen. I love Jamison Williams out of Alabama. I think he's a stud. He is going – whoever gets him, this is going to be 2022 version of Jamar Chase. I love this guy. Jamison Williams at 26. Please, Tennessee, go get him. All right. All right. All right. And, and he is coming off a torn ACL. And, and we know the Titans are comfortable with players that are coming off torn ACL. So it, it would make sense from that standpoint as well. But boy, if, if he can come back 100%, what, a, what an extremely talented uh, uh, player he is. But um, yeah, David, I guess uh, getting back to your, your uh, question there. You know, I, I think certainly what makes it a success is that they need, you know, a little bit more immediate impact than what we have seen in, in the last couple of years. You know, we, we know about the uh, the early round kind of whiffs for the Titans the last two years, but really, you know, they, they haven't got a whole lot of impact from, from much in the, in the way of the later round picks either. And to their credit, 
you know, you're still looking at one of the most consistent teams in the NFL, you know, six straight winning seasons. You know, they're, they're coming off a number one seed. So they're still making it work despite the last couple of drafts being iffy. But, you know, if you, if you go a, a, another draft without getting, you know, three, four guys that, that not only can make an impact in time, but pretty quick, you know, eventually you're going to uh, you're going to pay a price for that. So I, I think, uh, you know, despite the fact that, again, John Robinson doesn't have a ton of draft capital, no second round pick and, and back at 26, you know, he's got to make it work uh, this time. Denard, same question for you. What makes this a successful draft for the Titans? Well, you know what? To me, it's always making sure when you draft, you draft for needs. You draft guys that will come in and they're going to fit in from day one. Not from day one. And what I mean by that, we don't. That doesn't necessarily mean that he that player is going to come in and start. But what you want is to see that that draft pick over time that he's evolving as a player. Don't judge a draft class by. Uh, what happens in year one, what you do is you judge them by year three or four. That's you know something Jeff always used to tell us is we're going to give you guys two years to groom you. But somewhere in that second or third year, I want to see some production out of you. And that's how you're able to uh, know that your, your draft class is successful. And last but not least, are you winning? You know, when you look at this organization, look at last year, what, 12 and, what was it, 12 and 5? Number one seed in the AFC. That means that the guys that previously in your draft class, you're talking about the Harold Landrys, you're talking about the big Jeffrey Simmons. That means that, you know what, things are paying off for your organization. You're only as good as what you draft. And the reason that this team has been successful is because John Robertson has drafted guys to meet what Tennessee is trying to do. And if that's just playing ugly the way that they played last year, considering the fact that they had to use pretty much two teams on the field when you've had 90 players and that's the most in NFL history, but they found a way to do it, that's exactly what you keep doing. Keep doing keep, keep doing what you've been doing. And their DNA, it's not to be cute, it's not to be sexy, it's to ground and pound you. And that's exactly what they have to continue to do here on out. I think uh, I think the one thing I want to watch for in this draft that I think could make things really interesting for Tennessee is if teams can't help themselves, and I, and I think teams can't help themselves, there's going to be a bit of a run on quarterbacks. Not that you're going to see three of them in the top ten or whatever, but I think I think the best thing for the Titans would be if several of these guys end up going in the top 25 picks, you know, Malik Willis obviously is going to go fairly early. You know that, that Kenny Pickett doesn't fall. That maybe even Desmond Ritter goes. And 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 every time one of those quarterbacks comes off the board, that's going to give John Robinson more and more options, and possibly even the option to move back, pick up an extra pick or two, and and to get you know to both of your points, you know, get more players get more contribution, immediate and long-term, out of this draft than uh, than they've gotten in the last couple. I think uh, I think the, the quarterbacks are, are going to be the key to the, the Titans' success in this thing. And if and if those if several of those guys go early, then uh, then that's that's better for Tennessee. So there we have it. The NFL draft is Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We will, uh, we will be back next week to review what the Titans did. Until then, we thank you for listening. This is the Believe in Titans podcast. For Denard Walker, John Glenn, and I am David Beauclair signing off tonight. Thank you all.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.